welcome to the podcast podcast the podcast where we podcast about podcasts i'm dita and i'm lisa how's it going dita this weekend was the third time in a year that i rescued two people who got lost in the woods and turned down the wrong trail that's a lot of times (laughs) yeah like once it's like okay you didn't you didn't look at where you were going or look at the trail map and the second time, okay, the person the person jumped out onto the main road because there was a bull elk on the trail, and they're like, uh, no, that's your trail now. Okay. Fair. <laughs> this time, it was a couple, and one turn, they turned right instead of turning left to finish this, this certain loop that I had hiked two days before, mm-hmm. and ended up, like, adding, like, four or five miles to their hike. Just no idea where they were. <laughs> when I ran into them, uh... They're like, uh, so how did we get to the road? It's like, where did you come from? Because <laughs> I was on this, it's this one trail that's three and a half miles long. And I never make it to the top of it because I only do like a mile or two on it because it's all uphill. And they were two and a half miles down on it. They only had a mile left to go. And then they had another two miles of the road to like get to where they parked. Jeez. That's a yeah. hell of a detour. <laughs> I mean, look. If you're if you're hiking somewhere new or somewhere you haven't been or on a trail you haven't been on before, look at the map. Remember where you're going. Like even if you don't have like a map on you or a map on your phone, I have the park maps on my phone. Know where you're going. Like research like, oh, I'm going to turn left and then I'm going to turn left because if they would have just turned left instead of right, it would have been a really nice four and a half mile loop and they would have gotten back and it would have been fine. But they turned right and they added like six miles. Eesh. I, so yeah. I will say, in these people's defense, like, this does seem like a silly mistake, but trail maps kind of suck. Oh, yeah, um, they do. <laughs> my my dad, well, so our, we did a whole family trip to um, the Canadian Rockies last summer, and uh, my dad and I are much less uh, intensive hikers than my mom or my brother. And so we were like, okay, we will meet you guys, you know, in a few hours. And we couldn't even finish the trail, even though we were following the map, because the signage was kind of wonky, and it wasn't entirely clear. Like, there was just mud and stuff, so it wasn't entirely clear where you were supposed to turn in a couple spots. So we, like, made it, you know, however far we made it, and we said, okay, if we just turn back instead of trying to complete the loop, we'll still do, you know, as much as we wanted to do. And, you know, it's not as big as, like, a three-mile detour. <laughs> Yeah, but. like I've like there's a there's a trail I went on like a couple years ago that was like all trail said it was three and a half miles. Yeah. Oh, seven I miles later, this one. we made yeah, it back. Yeah. It was a loop. And luckily, like the plan was to like hike and then get a burger. So I still got the burger. So it was like well earned. And I was with a friend that's like a really good hiking buddy. Like we're, we're about on the same level for hiking because I don't yeah. do hardcore hikes, but I like I like a good hike. And that's actually who I was with this weekend when I didn't run into the couple. When I did the loop, the couple failed to do. But yeah, so like I get it every now and then. But like also. Also, the other thing is like (laughs) phones have compasses now. They do. Well, okay. To be fair, there's no self-service in this park. You don't need self-service. All you need is uh, like GPRS. To be also fair, people don't know how to read compasses. Now that is something I will take issue with. Like people, yeah. if you are going into the woods, you should learn how to read a compass. Know how to get back. Have a plan for getting back. Like I was talking to my friend because I just switched um, hiking packs too. Of like, oh crap, I need to put something bright colored in this pack for if I trip and fall down a ravine because I hike alone. Yeah. 
or at the very least, like, make sure <laughs> Lily's wearing <laughs> something Hive is. My, my gray dog that blends into the shadows. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. She has a fluorescent yellow <laughs> collar on at all times. It's fine. I know. I know. She she is your Hive's thing. Yeah, there's a reason all of her gear and her harnesses have been bright colored ever since I got her. But, but like, there there is some concern. It's like, I feel like people think, oh, well, it's a marked trail. I, just, you know, make sure you're comfortable with knowing how to figure out where North is. Yeah, because, like, and like... Google Maps will tell you what where North is, even if it doesn't have service. Yeah, and like know where you came from. Like, so I've I've gone hiking my entire life. Like, hiking is my coping strategy for a lot of stuff. And I've gone hiking in places that I've never been before and never been back to since. And I've only ever gotten lost once, and that was because the sunset mm. and it was fall, and the trail was marked by dots on trees instead of a trail. Oh, yeah. Because I can hike at night. I used to hike at night all the time growing up because I'm from Arizona. That's the only time you can hike in the summer. <laughs> Moonlight hikes. It was, it's a thing. My dad and I used to do it. It's great. You just learn not to stare directly at anything and you can see the trail. But I managed to get to the highway. And once I got to the highway, I knew which direction my car was in. Yeah. So, I mean, these people would have gotten back. They would have been okay. But it's just... Yeah. No, I think you know, there's something to be said for making sure, like, even if you think you know what you're doing, making sure you have some level of, like, wilderness safety awareness. Know how to yeah. read a compass. Know, have you know, water. Have snacks. <laughs> just, you know, it's... Uh, just because you're on a marked trail doesn't mean, you know, shit can't go sideways. Oh, yeah. But uh, speaking of things that really went sideways, uh, this week's podcast. Uh, so the way this works is, every week we roll dice to select a platform a category, and then a show. We listen to two different episodes each and come here to compare what we listen to and give our thoughts on it. So what's on the hook this week? So this week we rolled a fisherman special, which means we get to pick the category. For this week we chose science and rolled up on Freakonomics Radio, which is number 42 in science on Apple Podcasts. And let me tell you, before we get into this, I have never regretted a decision more. (laughs) I was gonna say, uh, for the fisherman special, we really picked, uh, Something a few days old. <laughs> Not a fresh catch. It's a little off. Which is extra sad because, like, I am I am a f- fan of A Hitchhiker's Guide. And 42 is a good number. But, uh, sadly, there was a mismatch this week. And we can only blame ourselves. To be fair, what was the first one you rolled on that we said, uh, absolutely not? It was, like, something about dead animals or something? Oh, yeah, it was about, uh... I think it was about animals killing people or something. It was something that's just like, no. Dice gods just, like, they were like, hey, we're going to give you a, a pick, but also we're going to make that pick bad. <laughs> yeah, and then and then the this was the third one I rolled up on, and then the second one I rolled up on was one we already did, Mysterious Radio. Yeah, I don't understand how that one ended up in the science category. Because they were talking about the science of Bigfoot. Bigfoot has science, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> anyway. So, uh... From the description, it's the Freakonomics of Medicine with host Dr. Bapu J- Jaina. Every week, the Harvard physician and economist will dig into a fascinating study at the intersection of economics and healthcare. He takes on questions like, why do kids with summer birthdays get the flu more often? Can surviving a hurricane help you live longer? What do heart surgery and grocery store pricing have in common? So for this podcast, I listened to Is a Spoonful of Sunlight the Best Medicine? And What is Sugar Really Doing to You? And I listened to They Make Minimum Wage. They Could Save Your Life. And Could Prison Be Good for Your Health? 
so regular listeners will know that uh, the show we talked about last episode is um, If Books Could Kill. And one of the reasons we wanted to cover that before doing this show is that the very first bo- uh, episode of If Books Could Kill talks about the original Freakonomics. Yeah. So we kind of wanted to like hit that one first because we're going to be referencing it a lot. And also in uh, the episode I listened to, A Spoonful of Sunlight is the Best Medicine, they, rec- they uh, mentioned Nudge which is one of the books I talked about last episode. I feel like we're just never going to get away from Nudge. Like, it's just going to haunt us forever. Nudge is everywhere. Nudge is eternal. Nudge has moved the carrot sticks into your sight line, and the snicker bar is away. No. (laughs) So, I guess, for people who aren't familiar with the book Freakonomics, like, I guess just a general overview of the concepts therein, so it's it's ostensibly this book about like wacky economics, and it's not. It's you know a few hundred pages of this guy uh, misinterpreting and uh, misusing data to suit his own narrative. Spoiler alert: <laughs> This podcast does the same thing. Yeah, um, and so that's kind of why it was important is that you can really see the uh, ancestry, so to speak, in within the dialogue of this show. And, you know, Freakonomics is a podcast. I used to listen to it off and on just because, like, 10 years ago, there was only, like, 15 podcasts. Yeah. And I had I was forced to, like, watch segments about it and segments of it in several college classes. Hey. Yeah. Like, there's a section in the Freakonomics book that's about um, people with black names and their, yeah. like, ability to get jobs. And, like, the Freakonomics book kind of skips over the fact that, like, racism is a thing. <laughs> And goes like, well, if these parents wouldn't name their kids these wacky names, it's like, well, if we wouldn't view those wacky names as being of a lower class. Well, and so that's the thing about the book and the misuse of data, right? It's like, it's talking about these studies, which time and again show that, like, names matter because people are racist. And it goes, well, you know, what these studies aren't taking into account is, like, the person might be, you know, the employers might see that name and think they're of a lower class and might be less dependable. And it's like, yes, because that's racism. That's racism. That's literally how racism works, is we made whole sections of the populace a different class based on their race and then created policies around it so that we could pretend that it wasn't racism. Yeah, and it's ah. really hard It's really hard to prove racism, but these studies work because the only thing that changes is the name on the top. You know, uh, employers aren't seeing photos, they're not seeing demographic data, they are seeing a resume with the exact same qualifications and deciding that that name is less desirable. That's racism. There's no, like, I don't care what way you cut that cake. That is racism. And this book just, like, refuses, you know, it refuses to just see things plain as day. And it just, uh, it's so frustrating. Yeah. So frustrating. So this is an extension of that frustration we have with Freakonomics. Yeah. So basically, what this podcast does is they pick a study, and they talk about the study, and talk about how this study proves their thesis. They aren't trying to, like, figure things out or anything. They already have it. They've already decided what they want what they want to be right and what they want to be like real exactly not how that's supposed to go so it's it's selective reading of a selective study is what both of my episodes were like and it was incredibly frustrating yeah yeah sounds awful yeah one of my episodes what is sugar really doing to you um really kind of set me off a little bit so they're discussing about a study in the uk that uh looked at 
the effects of sugar consumption because the UK had intensive rationing of sugar products until 1953, thanks to the Second World War. So they looked at people from before the rationing ended and people who were born after the rationing ended and like compared their like medical demographics. I feel like you're missing some really important population data there. Yes, and I'll get to that. I'll get to that <laughs> okay. in a second. Trust me. Okay. It's on my list. I took notes. Okay. I was angry. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. This is great. You're getting it already. Um, so people born after 1953, um, the study says that it led to the consumption of sugar, because they could suddenly consume sugar, apparently, led to um, higher rates of diabetes, cholesterol, and arthritis, and less post-secondary education and wealth accumulation. Now... The important thing that happened after 1953 is called the 1970s. <laughs> and what happened in the 1970s is the UK sucked. They had yeah. high unemployment, the highest since the 1930s, which you may remember was the Great Depression. Um, high oil prices. There was, you know, a petrol shortage and a quote unquote return to 1940s austerity without the enemy to blame. The economy Fun. in the UK in the 70s was horrible, and people were poor, and there were strikes and unions fighting everywhere, and Margaret Thatcher became prime minister in the 1970s, if that tells you anything, because I do not like her. The 1970s is also the advent of the UK punk movement, because screw the rich class. Yeah, there you go. How much of, like, these changes in demographics are from rationing, and how much of it is, like, we're no longer in a world war and our economy still sucks? I was also going to say, like, looking at people who were children or even a little older in the before the 50s, they were in a war. There were other things impacting their health other than sugar rationing. It was amazing to me how single minded this study was. And I kind of glanced through it, too. Like, I actually pulled it up and glanced mm. through it because it's like, there's no way. There's no way. And yeah, they, they didn't look at economics. They didn't look at, like, class. They didn't look at anything but... After the 1953 rationing, they could consume sugar. So that's why people have higher cholesterol now. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, that's why people don't graduate college. They eat sugar as children. Yes, because uh, as we have definitely proven, 100% uh, sugar causes uh, ADHD. That's how Oh, that yeah. They also, they also totally mentioned that as an actual fact. Oh, in the God. Episode. I was about to bring that up. Just oh, no. to set you off. Yeah, it was... Oh, it was horrible. And like, I, I took notes and I like just started reading. I'll, I'll, I'll post uh, the economics essays of the 1970s that I kind of looked at for this. But no, like there's more than one aspect to someone's health and one aspect to like someone's upward mobility and more than one aspect to someone's ability to get a post-secondary education. And a lot of yeah. that has to do with economics and class and the and like access to things. If you don't have money, you're going to consume more sugary stuff because sugary stuff is cheap. Yeah. And it's easy to get. You know what a good cheap beverage is? Kool-Aid. Mm. Because it doesn't taste like water, so you get a break. And I've lived in places where I couldn't drink the tap water, so, like, I get it. Um, You know, you walk into a McDonald's and you give them a dollar and you can have a giant soda. Yes. And if you go to a gas station to buy a bottle of water, it's going to cost you more than a dollar. Yeah, it's so going to cost you, you like three fifty, and you're not going to get as much. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. the single the single mindedness of that is really baffling, quite honestly. Like I was I was ready to be kind of upset at it because we do blame sugar for a lot of stuff that really isn't sugar's fault. 
Yeah. But to the extent that they did it of like, oh, this is an interesting study because they managed to look at a large demographic. Yeah, they looked at a large demographic in exclusion of all other facts of that demographic. It doesn't really work. No, because humans are not like in a laboratory consuming specific things that you can match. So they always like with sugar studies, they always mention like rats and how sugar like messes up rats. It's like, yeah, but you're giving rats a huge amount of sugar for their bodies and it doesn't match up. I'm not going to say rat studies aren't important, but they're not definitive. They're not definitive, but also generally speaking, they are not scaled to the human body. And so when anybody takes rat studies point blank, says, well, if it does this to a rat, it's going to do this to a human. Automatically, no, because like humans aren't consuming anything in that fashion, you know, in that, you know, very restricted, very calculated, very saturated way. We like that's just not how humans eat. We are not rats in a lab. Yeah, whenever they say, you know, X causes cancer in rats, it's like, okay, how much of X did they give those rats? Oh, 5,000 times more than humans will ever consume in their lives? Yeah, yeah. Maintenance Phase did a really good episode on um, sugar that I recommend people listening to if they want to learn more about why sugar isn't really that horrible and awful as we are told it is constantly. And, you know, maybe it doesn't cause ADHD. (laughs) I also just wanted to, because I was annoyed at looking up recipes the other day, briefly squeeze it in. When we're talking about sugar, we are talking about all forms of sugar, not just uh, sucrose. Because contrary to popular belief, the sugar in maple syrup is still sugar. The sugar in honey is still sugar. That's all I got to say on that. Oh, yeah. I forgot you were trying to make something sans sugar and you just got maple syrup recipes instead. Yeah, I was like, I. it's not that I'm trying to avoid sugar, it's that my I'm trying to make my own protein bars. And the powder I have is already sweetened with sucralose. Um, it's not terrible, it's not as like bad as straight up like Splenda, but it is very sweet. And so all of the protein bar recipes are like half a cup of maple syrup. And so when I sh- searched no sugar added, they were still like, this recipe has no added sugar. Half a cup of honey. That's added sugar, guys. <laughs> Anyways, that's a tangent, but um, okay, so then what was your second episode? So my second episode was, is a spoonful of sunlight the best medicine? And this was about a study that looked at people who had hospital beds next to windows versus people who did not have hospital beds next to windows. And is patient comfort really important to their recovery? Yes! Are you sure about that? How could we measure that in an economic sense to make it more economically feasible and make the hospitals more money is basically what the podcast fell down on. Should we get people actual usable pillows instead of little plastic squares? We can't measure the effects of that, so let's just keep them miserable. Well, so here's the thing, though, is that hospitals are actually really unsafe places for sick people, right? Because you've got this giant concentrated population of sick people breathing in each other's germs. Um, And so one of the things that we have learned over time is that putting patients in the same space as one another uh, leads to bad health outcomes. And so slowly, new hospitals are being built with single patient rooms, at least in uh, the United States. Um, And so patient comfort is automatically being increased because we're trying to keep them from dying. Amazing. And also, we're maybe treating them like human beings and not making an adult share a room with a stranger, which is my least favorite thing. Yeah. Patient comfort aside, like, even if you do not care how a patient feels, 
your patient uh, is more at risk if they're sharing breathing space with another patient. It's just, it's bad health practice. Well, you see, Dita, they didn't even think about that because they were just focused on, well, how can we tell if sunlight makes people better? Because then if it was a rainy, cloudy week, then, th- then, we, wouldn't, then we would see different health outcomes than if it was a sunny week. I hate this study so much, and I haven't even read it. Yeah, no, it's bad. And it, like, it's like, um, maybe giving someone access to something to look at outside a window helps their mental health. And if you're brain tapier, you heal better. Wild. What do I know? Yeah. But uh, not being kept in a box might make your mood better. And this one is when they start talking about nudges of like, you know, what if we use a better pillow and like nudge people to be more comfortable and do these small little things to affect outcomes? It's like, well, what if you just did it because it's the right thing to do and made people less miserable when they're in the hospital? No, 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 no absolutely oh. not. That's that's just too costly. Yeah, I guess that's not good economics or good freakonomics. <sighs> but yeah uh, that's all i got if like the sugar one just set me off so i don't have too many notes on the sunlight one because it's like no this is dumb like make let people be comfortable uh, yeah. a doctor's office that isn't freezing is gonna have probably more relaxed patients than a doctor's office that is freezing and then the relaxed patient can like actually approach their doctor about issues they may be nervous about it's mm. not it's not rocket science it's really it's not it's not even science it's just like Basic human decency. Yeah, I feel like this guy has just been kind of scrolling around Google Scholar looking at medical stuff and, like, finding stuff to look at and read. Yeah. A lot of this stuff out of context is not helpful. Yeah, so, uh, for once, I may be less detailed than you. Um, but... I I did... (laughs) But what about our buddy cop dynamic? You're the detailed one. I'm the vibes one. Well, it's less that I'm not detailed and that, uh, how, like five minutes into my second episode i stopped taking notes because i just realized i was listening to like the same theme over and over again um so for the first episode i listened to it was called uh, they make minimum wage they could save your life uh and you picked it for me so thank you yeah i thought this was a good one because uh you were an emt so i'm like oh that looks that sounds emt adjacent you know you yeah emts don't get paid enough it has to do with that uh so it did not um, the study they were talking about was mostly about, um, like, skilled nursing facilities and uh, senior homes and such. Um, but it's all within the same realm. And it is near and dear to my heart. When I was first hired as an EMT, I was being paid $1.50 over minimum wage, which is not great. And I remember being very, like, irritated because our dispatchers, which, you know, every everybody is essential to the system, both the dispatchers and the EMTs, but uh, they were being paid, like, $6 more, and it's because there were fewer of them than there were of us, and the company was, you know, uh, they actually, like, went bankrupt like, after my first year or something, so, you know, real good stuff. I'm not, cry- I'm not crying over them going bankrupt after that. <laughs> oh, they had other problems. Oh, yeah. So so basically, there's this paper published on like studying minimum wage and whether paying healthcare workers results in better patient outcomes. Uh, And the answer is yes. What? What madness is this? Paying people makes them do better work? Yeah. And like one of the things I got really annoyed with was like one of the um, one of the questions posited was like, well, if the cost to employers goes up, well, then they employ fewer workers and then there will be less staff in healthcare. And, like, the results were no, and also, like, basically, if you pay your healthcare workers more, 
uh, your facility has fewer health complaints, your patients have better outcomes, and you can start charging uh, insurances more money. And so the employers are happy to pay more money, right? Uh, the, like, the numbers aren't staggering, um, but one of the things that happens a lot in healthcare that maybe we don't talk about enough, although I think we started talking about it more with the pandemic, is burnout. Healthcare is a really hard field. It's emotionally and physically draining. There's a high turnover rate. There is, with, with, within any single specialty, there's a large amount of turnover. People are not altruistic. Just because you're in healthcare does not mean you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart. Like, you, that might be why you get into it, but you still have to make money. Like, um, you're, you're not doing it to get rich, but like, you still need to make money and put food on your table, right? People aren't doing this just to make the world a better place. And so when you pay people more, uh, they are, they are incentivized to do a better job. Like, regardless of how much they care for a patient, you can only put out, you know, what you're given. And so if you're being paid better, you're, you know, you can sleep better at night, your life is less stressful you can put more of your energy into caring for your patients. Um, and then the other thing is that what they didn't really talk about was that, and I wish they would have, was that uh, the kind of facility that is willing to pay their healthcare workers more is probably just a nicer facility. <laughs> like, and so patients are just going to have better outcomes, right? Um, a lot of these, so the kind of EMT I was is something called interfacility transit. And so uh, for my first year, I was Basically, like 70% of my time was um, discharging patients out of hospitals and into skilled nursing facilities. And these places are rough. You know, going back to sharing rooms, they're almost all two to a room. And they're all understaffed. And so these people don't have enough attention on them. And people really wither away in these facilities. They're, they're not great. And so doing anything to improve the quality of care is a good step in the right direction, even if the, like, overall numbers increase isn't fabulous. So, yeah, the the results of the study, not shocking. <laughs> Pay people better, get better outcomes all around. I never would have guessed that. I never would have guessed <laughs> that if you pay people who are doing a vital service, like keeping people alive, a living wage, then they will have more energy and time to focus on their job instead of all of the other BS in their life that could be made easier by being paid a minimum living wage. Yeah. And like the other thing that they don't touch on because this is an economics podcast Ugh. is that having profits associated with healthcare is bad. <laughs> like if all of your decisions uh, as a healthcare providing company are related to profit, then nobody's ever going to do well except for you because your goal is making money. <laughs> and like not once is that questioned yeah they kind of do the same with the um sunlight is the best medicine episode too where like this oh, guy sure. went to this really really fancy um facility to like do a talk to the facility or to the college that the facility is attached to i wasn't quite clear but it was fancy and he liked it mm -hmm. he said this was cool and that's why he read that spoonful of sunlight study because they had windows <laughs> i don't know I don't yeah. understand. Um, just generally speaking, like if your goal is profit and your goal is not what it what will result in the best patient outcomes, you're gonna have problems. And so, like maybe we should question why we think healthcare should be a for profit field. Just a thought. Just putting that out there. Just gonna float that one. <laughs>
Yeah, it's so weird that we have, I mean, it's a huge industry too. And, you know, my mom was a, was a, was a nurse for most of my life. Just how much we put into how much money these health places can make instead of how much better we can make someone's life. Yeah. One of the things that gets talked about a lot in the United States, and it's gotten a little better with the Affordable Care Act, but it's how much uh, it costs to take an ambulance. Uh, ambulance rides are expensive. And it's because, um, well, there's a number of reasons. And again, it depends on what state you are and uh, what city you live in and all of that stuff. But a lot of it comes down to is most ambulance companies are for-profit companies. Um, and so they are trying to make money. And so they aren't going to pay their EMTs well. And they are going to charge what they can. <laughs> like, it's not that complicated. Uh, and the focus is for these companies providing these services is not, we need to get these people to hospitals. It's how can we get these people to hospitals while still turning a profit? So yeah, so that was that episode. Uh, and then the next episode I listened to, like, I'm going to be quite honest, I didn't even listen to like the last 10 minutes. Um, oh no, you must have missed something <laughs> really important. Like ADHD is caused directly by sugar and no other cause whatsoever. Oh no. Honestly, I kind of did this one to myself, but the, the question posited by the episode is uh, whether being in prison is good for people's health. Oh, and once geez. again, it, it seems to miss the point. It's like it, it's like they're looking the point straight in the eyes and it just goes over their heads. Is the answer no? Because if the answer isn't no, then they have so I have some questions. No, the answer is yes. But the answer is yes, because... Uh, we don't have socialized healthcare in this country, and when you give people access to healthcare, their health improves. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> prisons are good, actually, is the hot take from this episode? It's not prisons are good, is that it's that if you are in, if you are the kind of person who can't afford healthcare and then uh, you are imprisoned, your lifespan will uh, be slightly lengthened because for whatever time you're in prison you have access to health care this this feels like a different flavor of um ethnic names don't get you hired oh yeah 100%. because poorer people and people of minorities are extensively more likely to go to jail uh -huh. to an alarming degree that i don't even want to think about fully and yeah. those people are also Way less likely to be able to afford healthcare or dental uh -huh. insurance. Uh, to this day, it's somewhat baffling me that uh, we don't include dental insurance in healthcare, even though time and again it's proven that there's a direct correlation between uh, health and dental health. <laughs> um, yep. But that's another topic. So, but one of the other things they touched on at the end that was just like, who who are these people doing these studies? They were talking about incarceration rates after like release of people with like mental illness and like looking at if you you know once you're released losing your medicaid like the rates of reincarceration and fine whatever like same thing but one of the things they didn't talk touch on is that cops are very bad at dealing with people with mental health issues yes that is something we have learned in the last five years we have learned nothing Seriously. else. It's that we use cops way more than they should ever be used because they do not have the training. They do not have tra the training, and we are also unwilling to uh, invest other resources into uh, taking care of the populace, and so cops are then forced to deal with everything. 
it's a terrible system. But so they were looking at specifically like people with mental illness versus like other illness and rates of reincarceration. And like uh, uh, my complaints still stand, but yeah, they, they don't want to touch on, Hey, if people are mentally ill and they are not receiving care, like they lose their healthcare benefits because you know, they no longer are eligible for Medicaid or Medicare. And, um, they are not getting their medications or they're not going to therapy regularly, like whatever, they're going to have more encounters with cops and those encounters with cops are more likely to be bad. I Like, I don't even need to look up studies. Like, look at the news. I once worked at a pharmacy down the street from uh, a psych ward in a city. And like, I used to actually move around and work at all a bunch of different ones throughout the town, throughout the city. Um, but I worked at this one quite a bit. and. It was the most problematic. We had people stealing everything you can imagine. Everything was locked up. Um, Mm -hmm. Those $3 bags of, like, big razors were even locked up because they would steal those. I once watched uh, two guys walk out with, like, a whole display of, like, cosmetics. Like, the the cardboard stand and everything. They just picked it up and walked away. And it's just like, (laughs) all right, I guess. I'm not going to stop you. I wish you wouldn't, but what can I do? Well, corporate policies are always to, like, not... Um, that one specific store uh, was always problematic just because, like, and you could tell when they released people, like, they would, you mm. know, people would get out on Monday or whatever. Yeah. And then, you you know, find someone hiding in the stock room, pooping in a corner. Oh, fun. will be relevant for our next episode. <laughs> Spoiler alerts. <laughs> I like giving hints. But, yeah, if the mental health and, like, the sudden drop of, like, suddenly no mental health care is horrible. Yeah okay if prisons can make people more mentally stable that's a sign that like our greater society is failing them not a sign that prisons are good actually but like the my overarching takeaway from both of these episodes was like hey guys you know what would fix a lot of these problems taking profit out of the healthcare universal healthcare (laughs) and it's like they they refuse to even touch that yeah I mean, that kind of works with Spoonful of Sunlight, too, of, like, if you just let people have their own rooms, instead of trying to squeeze every penny out of them by making them use a square plastic pillow. The pillow thing came up, like, three times. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, this podcast, overall, bad. <laughs> yeah, I- it did not bring me joy. I did not enjoy it. Like, I just- It made me listen to more 70s punk music than I usually do. We were talking about this, like, briefly, um, before recording, and- like, we're both annoyed with the podcast itself, but I think we're both also annoyed with the people doing the studies that this podcast is looking at. Yes! The podcast is a problem. I don't like the podcast. I don't like what it's saying. But it's being enabled by the people doing these studies that are trying to prove that sugar rationing in the 50s was actually better for our health. Yeah. Like, w- Instead of, you know, investing all this money in, like, economists studying why uh, people might have better health care while they're incarcerated, like, what if we just put that money into, like, sponsoring health care? Wild thought. This country is so determined to not spend money on poor people that we indirectly spend money on poor people instead. Yeah, we, we spend it through uh, the money we spend on the incarceration system incarceration system these economists like it's just so bad it's so bad uh yeah i like i feel like i don't know that i have other takeaways like no i did not enjoy this and i knew i wasn't gonna enjoy it because it's 
the Freakonomics brand, and I knew it was going to be some, like, wacky, weird economic take on medicine. Just like, oh, man. But this was this was beyond what I was expecting. <laughs> it's like the wacky, weird take is like, hey, people people need health care. <laughs> nah. Just stick them in a room with a window. I'm just so, I'm just so annoyed. Because, like, also the other thing is these episodes are, they're not terribly long. No, I think one of mine was, like, 18 minutes. 20, 20 minutes on, like, this single paper that, like, you needed five seconds to review. And, like, for those that maybe don't read a bunch of scientific papers, you and I have read way too many, you don't just read one. No. You read several, like, you read three, four, five about the topic so that you can come to a conclusion, because each one is going to have different demographics that they look at, different um, study numbers, different perspectives, different theses that they're trying to prove or disprove. And they're not doing that. They're just, like, reading one study and, like, this is definitive now. It's like, that's that's not yeah. how science science is, guys. Or they, like, kind of couch it and, like, what about what this one says? Should we think about this more? Yeah, it feels like a thought experiment based on whatever he looked up on Google Scholar this week. Yeah. And it would be one thing if, like, they were talking about meta-analyses. Like, for meta-analyses, the person doing the meta-analysis has done the work for you. They have read the five different papers. And come to their own conclusion. Which, ironically, is what maintenance phase does to debunk the effects of sugar on children. Yeah. You still need to, when you're reading a meta-analysis, like, look at what papers they were covering. And, you know, double-check that there aren't other things out there that they didn't touch on. But, um, that's not what this podcast is doing. No. No, it's not. And, like, also, out of those 30 minutes, Fiverr ads. Ugh. Hey, Dita, do you want to sign up for Walmart Plus? Because I bet you really want to sign up for Walmart Plus because Fred Armisen wants you to sign up for Walmart Plus because he told me twice in each episode. <laughs> I don't think Fred Armisen has walked into a Walmart in at least a decade. Well, and like he lives in Portland. I don't think there are Walmarts up there in town in the in the city limits. Yeah. So like five minutes of ads and uh, localized again, which, as we know, I hate. Wait, is Walmart localized? No, there was one for something uh, in the town just north of me. I think it was like an huh. automobile center or something. Yeah, the other one I got was for like a freight shipping company. Because <laughs> you're sh shipping so much freight. Oh, yeah, constantly. Yeah, it was yeah. that. And then like they had commercials for like the next flagship Freakonomics episode. So I guess I know that they're talking about cars hitting pedestrians in whatever episode they were coming up with next. Eesh. Yeah. At this point, you know, so Freakonomics is a standalone brand, right? Like, it is its own iHeartRadio. And I just, it's like somewhat concerning that it's as big as it is. Like, are people just listening because they're bored? Or is nobody critically thinking about this stuff? Like, I have so many questions. I think they're pretending to critically think about it, but not really. But I'm not just talking about the brand, I'm talking about, like, the listeners. Like, who... I think we've asked this question of other podcasts that are, you know, on these lists. Who is listening to this and thinking, oh yeah, sure. But I think a lot of it comes down to, like you were talking about uh, towards the top of this episode, it's been on a long time, and it was on when there weren't that many podcasts. And so, like, I think a lot of people who still listen to it were just, like, they started listening to it for a thing in their ears, and they've just kept it going. Yeah, because it started in 2010, and, like, in 2010 to, like, I want to say 2013-ish, like, podcasts were really kind of kicking off, but it was hard to find reliable ones that, like, were of this type. Like, you had Radio Labs, you had This American Life, 
And Freakonomics was, like, on that level with me for a little bit. Like, just kind of a little below those of, like, here's a couple stories you can listen to while you're doing the laundry. Or driving to the store. But it's it's also somewhat telling that, like, the people doing these Freakonomics shows have not changed in 15 years. Like, they have not learned. They have not grown. They have not changed. Like, they are doing the exact same thing uh, the original authors did. Uh, And that's a little concerning. (laughs) Like, you'd expect at least some character growth. Yeah, but that would hurt the brand. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Um, so, any final thoughts? Things we didn't touch on? Uh, I think we've ragged on it enough. (laughs) Final takeaway, maybe, uh, stop mixing, uh, economics and medicine and healthcare. Yeah, or, uh, if you want to read a study and come to a conclusion, read more than one study. Yeah, those are those are some decent takeaways, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, that concludes this week's episode. Thanks so much for the- listening. If you'd like to talk to us, our website is podcastpodcast.fish. Our email is podcastfisherman at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter and Instagram at podpodfish. Music is by the incomparable Evan Speakman, who you can find on Instagram as at Speakman Recording. Episode is edited by me, Lisa. Logo is by me, Dina back with a fresh catch next week. Bye! Universal health care.